It's time for Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. Presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for free made-from-scratch food, signature 29-degree draft beers, and all the scenic views. I'm just going to pause while you start drooling. And brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapiton. Now your host of the show, Josh Swanson. Bison Nation, week two, non-conference, T-minus one week until that big FBS showdown against an Arizona team who didn't look too bad, beating San Diego State last week, and your herd walked all over Drake, 56-14. to 14. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan brought to you by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for made from scratch food, signature 29 draft beers, and all the scenic views. And Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapiton. Maybe the biggest story at the Dome last weekend. Tailgating was gorgeous. It was absolutely beautiful out in the... West Lots, we had uh, Libby and I had Maverick out there. He ate, uh, I think, 18 bison cookies. One of my parents' friends at tailgating makes these bison cookies with M&Ms. And I got the eye roll from from Mrs. Swanson, my wife, Elizabeth. Maverick normally with, whether it's a a Sandy's donut or a cookie, what he'll do, like a lot of your kids, because I'm guessing this plays out at houses all across, you know, 7.40 a.m., land and buys a nation he'll pick off the candies from the cookies or with sandy's donuts or or any sort of muffin he goes straight for the frosting or the the sugary stuff on top and he leaves the rest and that's where i am as a parent criticize me all you want the fact he didn't just pick up the green and yellow m&ms but ate the entire cookie and libby looks at me and she says he's that he's had five cookies that's enough cookies and i said sweetheart he's eating the nutritious part of the cookie, that's what kind of day it was at tailgating, but it was so, so good to be back in the West. Lots before the game, a great tailgating crowd, and the Bison, of course, rolled. Nora Gindorf, uh, Gindy finds the end zone. Cam Miller was a very, very efficient 6-9 for a buckle five. Two scores, the Bison rushed 37 times for 275 yards, but it was a restless a restless Fargo Dome early as Drake put together an opening drive, marched it right down the field. You know, Coach Enten said following the game and at his press conference earlier this week, he thought the team came out a little bit flat. And credit to Drake. You know, they, they showed up. We all thought, myself included, they were one of the worst offenses in FCS last fall that they'd have a tough time getting anything going offensively. But lo and behold, they did what a lot of teams in the upper echelon of the FCS and Missouri Valley cannot do. They scored on the Bison on the opening drive. What in the name of Jeff Bentram is going on here? And then it settled in from there. NDSU scores uh, on their way to 56 points. The route was on. So, you know, a lot of good things. I think big plays, explosive plays from the herd. Zach Mathis with the really nice, hey, that, it's, it's, it's one game, and it's against Drake. But that's, that's a sample size right now. We're going to bring on uh, Sam Herter from Stats FCS or, uh, later later this morning to talk about maybe the landscape of the FCS early on, NDSU, how they look, South Dakota State, and just a rock fight. One of the most brutal FCS games you'll see. It ended 7-3. to They lost to Kinnick to Iowa. 
Iowa had a field goal and two safeties, and SDSU's highfalutin juggernaut offense with Mark Gronowski back. They looked like uh, well, it's Iowa. I get that. But, boy, they looked incompetent. They really couldn't get anything going at all. But NDSU, you know, to, to do some of the things they did, Jaden Price with another punt return for a touchdown. Uh, Zach Mathis, one catch for 31 yards. But, boy, he caught that kind of bubble screen type of thing, just a little hitch, whatever it was. Wasn't a long pass, but he caught it in stride and silky smooth, long stride. And Zach Mathis takes it to the house for a touchdown. So the, the Bison did what the Bison needed to do, right? What did we say last week on Heard It Here with Swanee? We said the Bison need to get out of there healthy. Check. No injuries. No injuries that we're aware of anyway. Got out of there healthy. They scored 56 points. It's a 56-14 to 14 win, and we're nitpicking that. You know, Drake took the opening kick, marched down the field. The Bison routed them 56-14. to uh, 14. Drake with a late uh, junk time touchdown against NDSU's backup slate in the game. NDSU played a lot of guys. I thought I had read or saw something like 80 dudes got in the game. That was great. You got Cole Payton, who played the whole second half. And, and one performance in the second half does not a quarterback make. I, I know there were some people that expected more. The Bison were up so much. They're going to keep it close to the vest. He's not going to go out there and sling it. He finished 2 of 4 for 7 yards. Ran the ball 3 times for uh, 9 yards. The important thing for him is taking some snaps with that first string offense, reading a defense. So much of what the Bison quarterback does, it's not it's not throwing the ball. I mean, yeah, that's part of it. It's what we see. What the naked eye does not see is the fact that the quarterback is oftentimes responsible for getting NDSU. Well, not oftentimes they are. Period. End of sentence. Responsible for getting North Dakota State in the right play call in offense at the line of scrimmage for calling their own protections, for setting the audibles and everything else. And Cole Payton, he's still a freshman. Keep that in mind, right? So uh, Coach Jens talked about that, how it was good for him to get the calls in from the sideline, to get up to the line of scrimmage, to, to take some game time snaps. I expect we'll see more of Cole as the season progresses. Hunter Lipke! Big number, 44. I said I think I thought. We'll ask Sam about it in a few minutes. I think Lipke is the best player in the FCS. I think that'll be reflected by the fact that he is going to be a top three or four round draft pick next spring. The guy can fly. He's big as a truck. And all he does is score touchdowns. You give the ball to Lipke. I don't know. You know, you remember the Randy ratio, Skull Vikings? When uh, when when Mike Tice was the coach, wanting to get the ball to Moss, you know, at least one out of every four plays, I, I think it was. The Lipke ratio, feed the beast. And, you know, when we talked to Dom Izzo on Heard It Here last week, he expected, we all expected, Lipke in a game like this isn't going to get 10 to 15 to 20 touches. I expect he's going to get a lot of carries against Arizona next week. Three carries. 53 yards and a score for an average of 17.7 yards. NDSU up front averaged 7.4 yards per carry. A lot of that damage in the second half when Drake knew North Dakota State was going to run the football. Kobe Johnson, five carries for 53. It was great. Dominic Dom Ganella back in action. He looked to have that extra gear that he had prior to getting hurt last fall. He was shifty. He was cutting on a dime. He was accelerating on the football field. Six carries for 47 
yards, a lot of buys in three, six, nine, 11 guys had touches. So on the plus side, that's that's obviously what you want to see. Jake Cava, Fargo Shanley grad had the big blocked field goal, and that gets returned for a touchdown. Those explosive plays, I think this buys an offense. They've got that in their repertoire this year. They've got it, whether it's a Lipke, a Dom Canella, a Kobe Johnson, a Gindorf. He had that touchdown where he just bolted by a couple D-backs. Phoenix Sproles, Zach Mathis. You got some Braylon Henderson, for that matter, some guys that they didn't show up real big in the stat sheet because we knew that's not going to happen going into a game against Drake. But, man, Jaden Price, what a game changer. Home run hitters. NDSU has some home run hitters. They'll be looking to build upon that progress this uh, today against North Carolina A&T at the Fargo Dome. And I think that's what you want to see. I think you want to see a little bit more with Cam Miller maybe being a little sharper. I think he missed a few receivers. And I'm nitpicking. Hey, I, I am nitpicking. Six for nine, we'll take it. Two touchdowns, we will take it. But you want to see progress. You would like to see maybe Sproles with a few more touches get worked into the game plan as we build up to that Arizona game next week. And you don't want to overlook North Carolina A&T. They're coming into the Fargo Dome. We saw what happened with Drake. They came in. They put up a touchdown early. They drove down the field, and then they got the the second kickoff after NDSU had tied the ball game. And what did they do? They marched down the field again, got into field goal position, and they were ready for another scoring attempt before Cava blocked it. Then NDSU houses it, takes it into the end zone for a touchdown. The Bison are up 14-7. to Don't look back and, and off to the races. We went. So I thought there were some positives. Uh, Marcus Siegel from Omaha with a nice interception for the herd. We'll see. It's a week-to-week thing, and you just want to see guys keep taking those steps incrementally to build up as we get into the, the obviously the big one on the non-conference schedule, followed by conference play at South Dakota coming up. They got thumped by K-State. It was a, it was a tough week around the Missouri Valley football conference outside of, uh, of course, NDSU's win, and that was a layup game. Let's call it what it is. NDSU scheduled that game as a tune-up. North Carolina A&T, if we're being honest, it's a great opportunity to see a team that hasn't been in the Fargo Dome before, but this should be another one that's close to a pick score. It might be a little tighter at halftime, but NDSU, if they play like the Bison are capable of playing by 3.30, you should be wondering, where am I going to? And you can stay around for the whole second half. That's fine. I'm not telling fans to leave. My brother and I, hey, heart to God, honest to God's truth, we both had hall passes. We went to Hurdenhorns for the second half. The Bison were rolling them at halftime. So uh, Brother Swan and I went and enjoyed a beverage at Hurdenhorns, watched uh, most of the second half from up there. I expect a lot of the same against North Carolina A&T. When you schedule these games, which is fine, I get it. I will never second-guess Matt Larson or the coaches what they're trying to do with these schedules. Would it have been great to play in Iowa? Sure, fans, we would have loved that. UND was at Memorial Stadium, and, hey, they gave – the Huskers a run. It was 17-17 late in the third quarter of that contest before Nebraska scored the last three touchdowns. But you see what happens in games like that. Tucker Kraft, SDSU's All-American NFL prospect at tight end, he's got some sort of ankle injury he's dealing with. And if I read uh, Matt Zimmer, who's a friend of the show, he's been on numerous times. If I if I recall his reporting in the Argus Leader from Sioux Falls correctly, it's a high ankle issue, and we've seen that, whether it's with Bruce Anderson who, or whoever else in the past for the herd, 
Those are hard injuries to bounce back from. That's week one. SDSU's all-conference corner went down with an injury against Iowa. We don't know the extent of those, but I know you don't want to have that happen to anybody, especially two starters in week one. They're fun games to play. And South Dakota State's defense was outstanding uh, despite the Hawkeyes being an absolute dumpster fire on offense. SDSU's defense went in to Kinnick and only gave up a field goal. They only gave up a field goal. Iowa's two other scores in that 7-3 to three contest were two safeties. To do that against any Big Ten team, let alone an Iowa at Kinnick, is a hard thing to do. But they're banged up already. I don't know the extent to which UND, if they're banged up at all, but I'll tell you this, you're playing a bit. You can make fun of Nebraska all you want. They're a Big Ten football team. UND's got some bumps and bruises this week. I'll guarantee you that. It might not be on the injury report, but Coach Swigart and his guys know that that's a physical game when you open the season against an opponent like that. North uh, Northern Iowa, they lost to, to Air Force, and they didn't just lose 48-17. to 17. That, was, that was a surprise. A lot of folks thought, well, maybe you and I is going to go down there and compete. They didn't. They got housed. Youngstown State, 31-14 over Duquesne. Incarnate Word, I told you, Bison Nation, that's why you lock and load it here on. Heard it here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan. I told you Incarnate Word versus Southern Illinois would be a sneaky good game and that the Salukis were not all of that in a bag of Skittles. They got trucked, man. They gave up 64 points to Incarnate Word. If you're giving up 64 points to an incarnate word in conference play in the Valley, that ain't looking good, man. It's week one. Maybe they get the ship turned around, but they got thumped 64-29. Wisconsin, Bucky Badger trucked Illinois State 38-0 at camp. Randall, and of course, as I mentioned earlier, it was K-State 34, South Dakota 0. So that's a rough week in the Valley. We don't, even in these uh, non-conference early season weeks where Valley teams are taking on some FBS foes. You don't see thumpings like that. And that's a big win for the Southland, for an incarnate word team to not just beat Southern Illinois, but just to take them behind the woodshed and knock them out. That's a nice win for incarnate word. Southern Illinois might go 4-4 four and four in the Valley, but come playoff selection time, we're going to ask Sam Herder coming up next about that. How much weight a, a conference, a, an out-of-conference win like that carries because they are very, very important. And as a Valley fan, that ain't good when one of your Valley playoff teams, when you're trying to get five, six teams in the playoffs like the Valley's been doing, when you get one of them that makes the playoffs, goes out and just gets it handed to them by a Southland foe, 64-29. to 29. Coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan brought to you, presented by Twin Peaks, right by West Acres here in Fargo. We got Sam Herter from Hero Sports. I think I said he was, was with, with uh, Stats FCS earlier. Sam's with Hero Sports. We'll talk to him next, where champions come to talk. Fall is finally in the air in FCS Nation up here in the North Country. West slots are the Fargo Dome. It was a hot one last weekend. NDSU's game against Drake. Beautiful day for tailgating. I know winter is coming. If you're a Game of Thrones or House of Dragon fan, uh, winter 
is coming. It's a little cooler now in the Valley, more football weather. And uh, to break it all down for us, we got one of the uh, the now gurus, the, the voices of FCS football, C2 Shining Sea, Sam Herter, Hero Sports. Sam, before we get into football, I saw there's some, some uh, big news in the Herder household uh, recently. How's the new puppy working out for you guys? Yeah, Wally, a uh, young English golden retriever. Uh, he's doing pretty well uh, overall. He's, he's sleeping right now, so hopefully hopefully he doesn't wake and we hear some high-pitched yapping in the background. But he should be good. Uh, obviously, puppy, um, you know, kind of keeps you up at night at different times. But overall, uh, you know, nice to have a little uh, companion here in the household. So how many uh, how many FCS games so far in college football games has Wally uh, watched? He's he's got to be. Uh, he's only been with you a week or a few weeks, but I imagine he's at his uh, starting to get pretty acclimated to FCS. Yeah, you know he's definitely interested. I have those mini helmets kind of below my my TV, and so he's more interested on chewing on those instead of actually uh, watching the games itself. But you know, thankfully, my girlfriend watches him uh, for the most part on on Saturday game days, keeps him occupied so I can kind of, you know, keep my eyes on, on the multiple screens instead of making sure he's not, you know, having an accident on the carpet or anything. But uh, he, he'll definitely be a football watching buddy. That's for sure. That's uh, that's absolutely awesome. One of the, my favorite things to are we have two English Bulldogs, Hounsfeld and Geiger, and, and those two just love. It's always fun watching football games with them. And, of course, anytime they can get a, a, a some people food and a snack, they're they're always about that when that's around during games, and I got it. We'll get to the buys in a minute, and we'll talk about some of the action around the FCS, including the Missouri Valley. But really, the maybe the result that uh, it surprised me because I didn't think the score would be what it was. But for Southern Illinois to get just throttled by Incarnate Word, sixty-four to twenty-nine, that's a big win for the Southland. I know it's early. I know it's week one. You know, you don't want to overreact or anything, but. You know, we're we're months away from playoff selection time, but early on, that's a nice win for Incarnate Word, and that's a that's a really tough loss. What exactly went down in that game? Yeah, it was a a head scratcher, that's for sure. Now, I was more high on UIW than some during the preseason. Uh, I know a lot of people looked at the fact that they lost their head coach and they also lost their star quarterback Cameron Ward to Washington State, but they brought in Lindsey Scott Jr. Uh, who was a terrific dual-threat quarterback uh, at Nichols, and he was maybe under the radar a little bit because he he was in the same conference as Cameron Ward and Cole Kelly, but I think he's a fantastic quarterback, and he showed that against Southern Illinois. I thought it was going to be a close game. I thought it was going to be a shootout. Obviously, was not expecting them to put a 60-burger on Southern Illinois. It was just – it was – obviously, you have to give credit to UIW, give credit to Scott. Uh, Taylor Grimes is a fantastic wide receiver. He has pro potential. Uh, he actually started his career at Illinois State, so a bit of a, a Valley connection there. You know, give credit to them, but there was just something going on with that Southern Illinois uh, secondary. They, they gave up a ton of big plays. Uh, you know, it seems like most of the scoring drives were like one, two, or three plays. Uh, for UIW, but you you mentioned the the playoff scenario, and and this is usually the type of game where, you know, people will complain about the Valley getting five teams in or six teams in. Well, when the fifth place or sixth place team in the Valley beats the Southland champion or the OVC champion, that's the reason why they get so many teams in. Now, let's say Southern Illinois finishes seven and four overall and in fifth place in the Missouri Valley, this loss might make the playoff committee go, maybe they're not as playoff worthy maybe we'll give it to the third place caa team instead of the the valley team just because you know that 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 fifth place valley team lost big to uiw and so it it may have playoff implications down the line 
And that and that's something, you know, with Coach Hill at Southern Illinois, they're very well coached. They've been a playoff team the last few years. You take a look at that secondary, some of the touchdown, you know, first drive of the game, six, 66-yard touchdown to Grimes. Then the next drive, 55-yard touchdown pass to Grimes. You keep going down the chart, 79-yard pass to Chafin. And you, you keep going down, 36-yard pass. They had a 38-yard interception for a touchdown, 39-yard touchdown pass, 38-yard touchdown pass. So, you know, not to say there's a silver lining when you let someone, you know, hang 64 points on you. But, you know, I don't want to say problems like that are easy to fix, but maybe they can, whether it's trying some personnel things or changing up how they're defending some things, I I don't (laughs) – I don't. I'm not. It's not a good thing to get that many points hung on you, but it's not like they were, you know, trucked for 400 yards rushing, which is maybe a bigger problem. But yeah, that's when you say something's going on in the secondary. Anytime you give up that many explosive plays, um, that that just caught my eye because I, I said on this show last week I thought that would be a sneaky good game because I and I'm guilty of it too, Sam. A lot of Bison fans and fans of the Valley they they see what's happened in the past in some playoff contests, even though you know Sam Houston won the spring title. You know, you see some of the the pass scores and you think, well, these other conferences, you know, Ohio Valley, Southland, they're not as good as a Valley. But then you have a score like this, that if you're paying attention to FCS and you're a Valley fan, you better be paying attention to Incarnate Word because that's to put 64 points up on any Valley team, but a playoff team that's as well coached as the Salukis, that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, and, you know, you you bring up a good point that, there's kind of two scales to judge teams off of in the FCS. You can judge them off of the FCS scale and you can judge them off of the NDSU scale. Um, And obviously not a lot of teams are going to match up uh, all that well uh, with NDSU, but I know, you know, me being in the upper Midwest, you know, me following the Valley for a lot of years, you know, sometimes I, I may have that thought too of, you know, yeah, well, the fourth place Valley team is just going to be better than the Southland team. Cause that, that's, that's always, you know, that's always how it's been. And, you know, I know a lot of Bison fans fall into the trap of, well, this team can't be that good because we would beat them by 21, but teams like UIW teams like Chattanooga teams like ETSU, heck even teams like UT Martin, like those are good, solid FCS teams uh, with a lot of talent with, with, you know, with some pro talent. Uh, maybe they aren't quite there on the offensive and defensive lines, but they have great quarterbacks. They have great, they, uh, they have great, uh, wide receivers and so there's still a lot of good teams left in the FCS but again you know would UIW beat NDSU no would NDSU probably beat UIW by 17 21 points and run for 300 yards yeah probably but NDSU is kind of in a, a different stratosphere than than everyone else but there is still a lot of good FCS teams around the country they're just you know there just aren't a lot of title contenders around the country uh, but this UIW team I think made a statement a statement that says hey you know, maybe maybe we do deserve a seed. Maybe our strength of schedule won't be the greatest, but hey, we handed it to maybe the fourth or fifth place team in the valley. Maybe we should be a, a top five seed if our record shows that that we should get a seed that high. Sam Herder, Hero Sports, here with us on uh, Herder here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors in Wapaton. And we'll get to the buys and stuff. There's, you know, there's really not a lot to talk about when you win 56 to 14, other than maybe Drake's opening drive and, and that sort of thing. But you mentioned a team that really, really intrigues me. I know they're, I think, in your your number six team in your top 25 this week, East 
Tennessee State. They came into the Fargo Dome, and I thought during the playoffs last year, their front defensively, I thought they were physical, which is something we've seen non-conference opponents struggle with in the playoffs against the Bison. They kept it tight. Uh, you know, they they beat Mars Hill last Thursday, 44-7. They're at the Citadel this weekend. That's a team. It would not surprise me to see the Bucks, and and I know it's a different year, but just watching how they came into the Fargo Dome last year and how physical they were. It's not like they got in. Yeah, you know, Lipke had that big touchdown to Tonka, that that the ESPN Sports Center thing and all that. But I thought they they acquitted themselves really, really well in the playoffs at the Dome. And I think they're one of those teams outside of the Valley that could potentially make a deep run in the playoffs this uh, this year. Yeah, it's 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 a growing program and a strong program. And that was a good team last year too uh, again did, did they threaten ndsu no but was this you know a, you know i i've said it a lot this offseason because the conversation has been about you know how many great programs have left the fcs and i've talked about how i am concerned about that but at the same time you look at the talent on the field now compared to 10 years ago i think last year's etsu team would have beaten the 2013 2014 app state team because people forget app state when they left the fcs they were like the fifth best team in the SoCon. They weren't necessarily at the top, but you know, when you talk about program names, App State carries a much bigger punch than ETSU. But East Tennessee State, I think, has a has an opportunity to be that team out of the SoCon that can, you know, make a run to the quarterfinals and maybe a run to the semifinals every now and then. They, they did lose their head coach from last year. They lost a lot of seniors. Uh, one of their offensive linemen transferred to LSU. Another one of their linebackers transferred to. I believe it was FAU or FIU. And so they had a lot of good talent on last year's team. And a lot of that talent is coming back. Uh, you know, Jacob Saylors was a thousand yard running back last year. He, he's back. Tyler Rodell, the, the quarterback, he, he's very efficient. You know, he, he may, he may not, you know, threaten the team like North Dakota State or South Dakota State, but I think overall he's a, uh, he, he's a great uh, and overall a, a pretty good quarterback. And then Will Huzzy uh, is a really good receiver for them. Uh, a big target. I think he's, he's super, super talented. And so, uh, a lot of people maybe looked at who they lost, but at the same time, they bring back just as many players as they lost. So uh, I do think this is a team, uh, them and Chattanooga, in my opinion, are, are a strong top two team in that SoCon. Then you got Missouri State, another Valley team. They had an interesting one earlier this week on, on Thursday playing UT Martin. That game late in the third, UT Martin jumped up 24-21, and I'm, think, I'm sure some Bear fans – had flashbacks to their uh, playoff matchup last year, but they were in a dogfight. They escaped with the win. But, you know, it's one of those things as a Valley fan with the the Valley-colored glasses on, you expect a top-five Missouri State team to go down and just take care of business. And and maybe part of it is we don't give enough credit as Bison fans and uh, Valley fans to the UT Martins of the world. They hung in there with Missouri State. What was your takeaway from uh, from that game and Coach Petrino? Maybe I'm, I hate to say struggling. It's great to get a win, um, but... 35-30 against UT Martin. Yeah, I think uh, a couple of things. It, it shows that Missouri State's offensive line, you know, isn't there to, to, to truly compete for a national title. I think they can make a run to the quarterfinals, depending on matchups, make, maybe make a run to the semifinals. But I don't think the offensive line for most state is, is quite there yet to, you know, truly win an FCS title. I also think their, their secondary uh, has some concerns there uh, as well, even though they, they do have, some good players in, in the secondary. I mean, McDonald is a great talent. Montre Braswell uh, has NFL interest. And so the talent is there and, and maybe kind of like Southern Illinois, maybe, maybe they can shore things up in the secondary. But I think, uh, you know, obviously you have to be impressed with Jason Shelley, uh, but I was 
it was less of a thing where it was, oh, Missouri State barely won, and more of a, wow, UT Martin, you know, looks looks pretty sharp. Because it, this wasn't, you know, there were some penalties there and maybe some defensive breakdowns, but it was a pretty well-played uh, football game. You know, it wasn't one of those games where you watch and go, man, these quarterbacks are awful, or man, that throw was terrible, or or man, you know, this defense is, is, is god-awful. It was, it was a, a very well-played game. Now, I thought Dresser win the, the quarterback for UT Martin, Looked very, very good. He, he was very accurate, very sharp. He, he looked the part. And then Jason Shelley, in my opinion, I think is the best quarterback uh, in the FCS just with his dual threat abilities. And so, uh, you know, Missouri State, I think, is one of the better teams in the FCS. But I also think this shows that UT Martin, um, from just a talent perspective, I think has really elevated uh, itself. You know, one, one guy, too, uh, I believe his, his number is 18, uh, John Ford, a six foot three middle linebacker. Like, that, 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 that was a, that's a big-time talent that UT Martin didn't have. Uh, five years ago, and now they have guys like that. And so just a lot of talent on that field last night. Jason Shelley for the Bears against UT Martin, 19-24. Never too early to talk. Walter Payton, 19-24 for 297. Five touchdown passes. When we come back after the break, Sam Herter from Hero Sports will join us for one more second, and we'll finally get around to talking some North Dakota State football and Sam's impressions of IndySU's week one performance against Drake. Coming up next on Heard It Here with Swanee. It is a cool, crisp, gorgeous early September Saturday here in Bison Country. This is Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. Come in for the made-from-scratch food signature 29 draft beers and all the scenic views. Sam Herder from Hero Sports joining us this morning to talk some FCS football. Real quick, Sam, before we get to NDSU's performance, Last week, and, and talk about their game here later today, SDSU stud tight end, one of the, the best FCS uh, NFL prospects, Tucker, Tucker Kraft had an ankle injury against Iowa. They expect him to, to miss a couple weeks. Is that right? Yeah, so it, it's an ankle injury. Uh, expected to miss a few games. Uh, not a season ender, which overall is good news because when you, when you watch that play, he took a, like a shoulder pad or, or a helmet to the side of his leg and it kind of got bent awkwardly, and the initial thought was, oh, man, that might be a knee. Uh, but it's only a, an ankle injury that will keep him out a few weeks, which is a good sign for South Dakota State and for him as well because he is getting legit second to third round uh, love right now for the 2023 draft. And the thing, too, is he, he's only a junior, and so he's not even officially declared uh, for, for the 2023 draft. But when you're getting you know, second-round projections, it, it's probably a good bet that he will declare uh, for next year's draft after this season. And interesting, you know, talk about uh, South Dakota State, their Iowa losing seven six. Did it? And we'll, we'll again, we'll get to the buys in, in a minute. It surprised me with you know Gronowski in that offense. How how loaded they appear to be, at least on paper. I get it. You're going into Iowa, you're playing at Kinnick, but for them to to walk away with only a field goal and give up those two safeties, what did you make of their uh, performance offensively? Yeah, I, I didn't. My opinion of South Dakota State hasn't changed for the better or for the worse. Uh, you know, I still think they are the number two team in the country. I do still think if there is one team that can beat NDSU this year for the national title, uh, it is South Dakota State. Not saying it's going to happen, but if there is one team out there that can do it, it would be the Jacks. And I still feel that way uh, after this game. Was really, really impressed with South Dakota State on defense, especially how they held up on, you know, in the front seven and held up physically. But I was 
not good offensively at all. And on the flip side, South Dakota State does have a lot of firepower with Isaiah Davis and Mark Ronowski and, and the Yankee twins. I know Jackson is also getting some NFL love. Uh, Zach Hines, another tight end, he's getting some NFL love. Uh, and a guy like Garrett Greenfield as well, as well and Mason McCormick, two offensive linemen. They might be undrafted, free agent type of guys. And so really a loaded offense, but only scoring, you know, you know, getting that field goal against Iowa, not the best start. But again, Iowa arguably has one of the best defenses in, in all of college football. And so I, I didn't take a whole lot away from that performance. Uh, a better gauge will definitely be this weekend against UC Davis, uh, a team that they beat up on last year in the playoffs, uh, who's a, you know, probably in that 20 to 30 range in the FCS rankings. And so this will be a better gauge for South Coast State this weekend. Yeah, and and they're a good team. You know, I remember watching that Davis game down at uh, the Dyke House, watching it on TV, and and Davis kind of gave them a, I don't want to say a run for their money because South Dakota State took care of business, but at least the you know first quarter or two of that game, you see Davis was moving the ball a little bit, and and I think the Jackrabbits, I, I expect them to put an off put on an offensive show this weekend. I think they probably had a really, and of course, you know their their offensive coordinator takes off to become the head guy at Idaho. They lose a bunch of coaches. I think their offense probably gets back on track this weekend against the Aggies, kind of shifting gears finally to the Bison Bison fans. It's tough to find a lot to talk about in that Drake game. It surprised everybody. Drake went down the field, scored a touchdown. Then Cavill blocks the field goal later, and then the route is on. Jaden Price, another punt return for a touchdown. Great to see Gindorf. You talk about tight ends with an in- injury. Gindorf coming back off an injury. NFL prospect finds the end zone. Zach Mathis finds the end zone. What were your uh, big takeaways from NDSU's 56-14 victory? Yeah, I had the the 1 million percent sarcastic tweet when Drake went up 7-0 and, you know, saying, oh, finally there's a, a team that can challenge the Bison for the national <laughs> title. But, I mean, even after going down 7-0, we, we kind of knew that, okay, NDSU, they're going to settle in. They'll establish their, their, their run and, you know, they'll, they'll pull away uh, with things. And so I think what was most impressive was because, yeah, I mean, NDSU ran for a million yards and a bunch of different guys got into the end zone running the ball, but that was kind of expected. I think what was most impressive was the special teams. Uh, now, kicking is probably still a question mark, but the return game, you know, getting a block kick as well, I think overall uh, special teams was the most impressive part because offensively and defensively, I, I think NDSU did what we all expected them to against a non-scholarship opponent. What do you know about uh, North, Car- North Carolina A&T, another team, the Aggies, Coming into the Fargo Dome for the first time, they uh, they fell last weekend. They they uh, lost twenty eight to thirteen. So the Code Green looking like they might be in. Um, you know, it's tough enough to score against Code Green when you're a South Dakota State offense, let alone a, a team coming up to the Fargo Dome for the first time. Now, last week they dropped to North Carolina Central University. What do you know about the Aggies, Sam? Well, this would have been a, a much more intriguing matchup when it was originally scheduled in 2020, uh, and obviously COVID pushed it back because you know back in 2020 it would have been the defending HBCU national title, uh, national champions, uh, a team that won I, I believe four of the last six at the time, four of the last six uh, celebration bowls. You know, going up against defending HBCU champs versus the defending FCS champs, uh, and you know. Back in 2020, A&T had some more dudes on their team compared to now. Uh, and so it would have been a more intriguing matchup then than it is now. I do think the Bison will, will, will win handedly. But I think just the, you know, the, 
kind of the angle of the story will be more interesting than the game itself because North Carolina A&T is, they have a great fan base, a very, very prideful fan base. They're one of, you know, in HBCU blue blood. And so, and they were, you know, the, the HBCU, you know, team, they, they, they were that team. They were the HBCU power and they made a, a gutsy decision to say, we no longer want to compete for the HBCU national title in the celebration bowl. We want to set our eyes on the FCS playoffs and the FCS national title. Um, and then they joined the big South and last year it did not go as planned going three and four in the big South five and six overall. Uh, then this off season, uh, they, they decided to make the move to the CAA uh, where they'll be joining for all sports this year, then football next year. And so I think that just kind of goes to show you that this team, this program has high aspirations uh, to compete at an FCS national level going to the CAA, which is still, uh, you know, a top three conference in the FCS. Uh, and this, it, it's, a, it's a program with a great fan base, great tradition. It, you go back to the mid to late 2010s. They sent multiple guys to the NFL. Uh, Treat Cohn, uh, who's still in the league, Brandon Parker, offensive lineman. Uh, they had a big wide receiver a few years ago that they sent to the league. Uh, I believe it was either two or three years in a row. They got FBS wins from like 2016 to 2018, somewhere around there. And so it, overall, it's a great FCS program. They just have lost some dudes. I don't think they have those dudes anymore on this roster as far as uh, NFL talent. Uh, Jacob Roberts is a good linebacker for them, but you know, overall, this should be another decisive uh, NDSU win against a, a program that, that wants to be good, and, and this will kind of give them a, an up-close and uh, an up close look, I guess, at what it takes to compete at a national FCS level. Here's what, you know, with Drake and, and North Carolina a and what I give them a lot of respect for is the fact that their coaches aren't afraid to come into the Fargo Dome and give their players and their fans an experience like this. And I heard their coach on, I think, talking with Dom or somebody earlier this week, and, and he had alluded to that fact. And I expect we're going to see a lot of uh, North Dakota State definitely not opening the playbook. I think they might work on that passing game a little bit to uh, tune stuff up. Not that not that Miller was bad, but I, I think you want to work on that a little bit before heading down to Arizona. And then the kicking game, too, not to... You know, I hate to nitpick, but uh, field goals, you know, heading down to Arizona next week, Will Cardinal missed a 23-yarder. That might be an area where North Dakota State, uh, you know, you're trying to find some, you know, quote-unquote weaknesses. I expect that they'll, you know, maybe look to get uh, the, the field goal team another attempt or two. I think that's important when you're heading into a, a Pac-12 game against an Arizona team that surprised a lot of people with how they took care of business against San Diego State last weekend. Yeah, they, this this is a brand new version of Arizona. Brought in a ton of transfers. Uh, it is not the team that we saw last year that that lost to Northern Arizona, uh, you know, an FCS opponent last year. And so, uh, you know, the predictions might change a little bit, you know, going into that Arizona game. Uh, but yeah, I think this is a another good, I guess. You know, no offense, North Carolina A and T, but uh, another good opponent for NDSU to maybe figure things out. And you know, your your roster and your your two deep is probably sitting pretty good when your number one question mark is the kicker. Yeah, but at the same right. time, you know that that can turn out to be a big question mark when you know NDSU needs a big kick in the against South Dakota State or in the semifinals or in Frisco. Uh, you know, if that's your number one question mark, that's a good thing about your offensive defense, but it, it can come back to bite you when you do need you know a big time field goal because you even look back at at 2019 against Illinois State, what was it, nine to three with, with three? Yeah, field the goals? dome. Yeah, the NDSU so, couldn't find the end zone. Yeah, Trey Lance led offense. You know, sometimes you just have those games where either you you can't finish drives for whatever reason, and you need your kicker to step up. And so, it, it certainly is something to be, um, 
you know, mildly concerned about, I guess is the best way to put it. Well, you know, you mentioned Illinois State even last year down in normal. NDSU had a really tough time. They won 20-0, to zero, but they had to settle for a lot of field goals last year at Illinois State. Because some, sometimes it happens every year, you know, whether whether it's a Bison team that was as good as that 2019 team or the 2013 team or the 2018 team. Sometimes the offense, for whatever reason, just isn't clicking, just isn't hitting on cylinders, and you need a kicker to step up and an NDSU's dynasty run, whether it's an Adam Keller or a Cam Peterson, they've had that guy that's been able to, to march him out there and trust him to hit on a 42-yard field goal. So I, you know, and again, I, I hate to be nitpicking, but that's one of the things where that was a, you know, question mark kind of going into the year, finding a guy to take over those kicking responsibilities. And in your first time, you know, I get it, the nerves, the anxiety, kicking in front of 18, you know, 15, 16, 17,000 people. But that's something that uh, I expect that, you know, the Bison will devote some time to probably during practice this week and maybe look to get their field goal units some opportunities. Not that they're not going to try to score touchdowns, but you would like that field goal unit in the event you need to march them out there against Arizona with, you know, 22 seconds left down two or tie ball game, looking at a 37-yard field goal. You want to make sure they've got everything ironed out. Yeah, and, you know, especially, too, even a, you know, a missed field goal can, can maybe, in a close game, can zap some energy, whether it's out of the crowd or out of the defense and offense, where your offense does put together a, a nice drive, but, you know, comes up short on third down line up for a field goal and you miss it you know that that maybe zap some energy as well so um yeah definitely something to uh to keep on working on if you're the bison what's the you know montana montana state are playing pretty well and that's the interesting thing about not not just fcs any level of football we're talking fbs fcs we don't you have an idea who you think is good heading toward the year i don't know that there are any big surprises right now but uh, some other teams outside of north dakota state quite out south dakota state i'm with you sam and my buys an illustrated column here uh, the last one i said i my pick is ndsu sdsu finally playing in frisco this january but outside of the obvious suspects with those two schools and maybe montana state who are some teams that uh, might be there late december and the the fcs buys and fans should if they're scoreboard watching keep an eye on yeah, I, I would frankly be surprised if there is a team in Frisco this year that isn't uh, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Montana, Montana State. Uh, you know, obviously playoffs, a lot of it, not a lot of it, but but a good chunk of it is, you know, dependent on matchups. And, uh, you know, if, if for whatever reason, South Dakota State drops a couple games, they get the four seed, then NDSU gets the one seed. Uh, you know, that that could be the two best teams in the country, like we saw last year in James Madison, that don't end up uh, being a, being in Frisco. And so we don't always see the, the top four teams in the country all meet in the semifinals. We don't always see the top two teams uh, meet for the national title game. But it would be surprising, like I said, if one of those four teams, if we saw a team outside of those four make it to Frisco. Uh, because after that, I mean, I, I have Missouri State number five. I have ETSU six, Sacramento State seven, Incarnate Word eight. Delaware is nine, Villanova, 10, Chattanooga, 11. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if any of those teams are quite ready yet to compete for uh, a national title. Uh, I, I do think Sac State will get over that hump. Uh, I know they get a lot of flack uh, for you know being a high seed and kind of getting into the Jacksonville State treatment, being a high seed but losing right away. They gave the playoffs, SDSU but, a run for the money in the playoffs a couple of years back. Yeah, and people forget that. Last year it was. It was like 21 nothing, 24 nothing yeah. uh, right away. But then Sac State came back and made it a one-possession game. So it wasn't necessarily a blowout. And a lot of people will look at the fact that, uh, you know, Sac State has had a, a pretty easy draw in the big sky. 
which was true last year, but you know, they've been 15 and one in Troy Taylor's first two fall seasons in the big sky. And they've beaten Montana twice. I believe they've beaten Montana state once they've beaten Weber state twice. They've beaten Eastern Washington once. And so it's not like all their wins are coming against Northern Arizona and, and Idaho state. They are getting big wins in conference play. It's just, you know, they, they, they lose right away in the playoffs. I do think they'll get over that hump. Uh, they have some great talent. Keep an eye on their game against, uh, I believe it's Colorado state. Uh, I, I want to say, um, I don't I, I don't have the schedule in front of me, but they do have a winnable FBS game. And then next week, I do know they go to Northern Iowa, which will be an interesting game. And so uh, I think Sac state could be that team out of those top four that could make a decent run. But again, are they ready to, to knock off MSU? I don't think so. Yeah, they've got uh, this weekend or on the 17th, they've got the Sac state's at UNI. They're off. This week, it looks like, if I'm reading their schedule right, that on the 24th, they're at Colorado State. Man, we could we could talk for another hour, Sam. Things are just getting good. I'll leave you with this because it wouldn't be herded here with Swanee if I wasn't already indicting the selection committee several months ahead of time. Here's what's going to happen, buddy. SDSU, NDSU, there's no way the FCS power brokers want NDSU and SDSU in Frisco, that would be bonkers. You know how how crazy. I mean, Montana State, NDSU has been great crowds and atmospheres. NDSU, JMU would be. NDSU, SDSU would be just freaking electric down there. FCS won't want that, so here's what they're going to do. They're going to put NDSU, SDSU on one side of the bracket. They're going to put Montana and Montana State on the other just to make sure that NDSU and SDSU don't make. I see it coming, Sam. I see it coming, and I'm already going to start complaining about it. <laughs> well, it's always funny because, you know, the, the perspective from, you know, from, from Fargo and, and also Brookings is, you know, I, you know the NCAA and the playoff committee members are sick of the Valley, so they're going to set those teams up. But on the flip side, you, you ask SoCon fans and Southland fans, they say, oh, what do you know? You know, NDSU gets another decent path to, to Frisco. And so it's always funny to see those clashing narratives. But you know, I, I will say real quick of how the selection process works, it doesn't necessarily – like it's not like the playoff committee sits there as a whole and says, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, we we don't want an all valley matchup. You know, let's let's put South Dakota State on the same side as North Dakota State. Let's make sure we have that. Basically, how it works is each individual committee member, you know, they talk it out, but that each individual committee member votes on who they think should be the one seed, and the two seed, and the three seed individually, um, and then they they break it out uh, from there as far as the order. So it's not like they're saying, all right, North Dakota State number one, we all good with that? Okay, cool. Uh, Montana number two. You know, any objections? Okay, cool. Montana too. It, it's each committee member, you know, kind of, you know, they, they talk it out, you know, who's deserving, but then they each submit their own uh, seeds basically. And then they kind of order it uh, from there. And so it isn't necessarily something where they're all going, yeah, let's put North Dakota state, South Dakota state on, on one side. It's more of an individual thing, but um, yeah, we'll see how, uh, we'll see how things work. And South Dakota state always seems to drop those games. They shouldn't that results in them having a tougher path to, to the Frisco than, than what it was, than what it, than what they really should be. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Should be a great fall of football. Sam Herter, Hero Sports. Thank you as always for joining us, Sam. And uh, you and Wally have uh, have some fun watching football this weekend, buddy. All right, will do. Thank you, Swanee, for having me on. Sam Herter, Hero Sports with us here on Herter Here with Swanee. We'll do our game day predictions coming up as we wrap another weekly adventure with the Swan. State buys them, fight them right down to the goal of victory for our name.
On you bison, fight you bison, stampede and win this game. Oh, I absolutely love it. Sounds of the fall here on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan presented by Twin Peaks and brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors and Wapton. I walked through, I posted this on Twitter at Swanee 8 last Saturday. I was at a reception at President Cook's house visiting, had an opportunity to, to meet him, welcome him and his wife to, to campus. I hadn't met him before. Um, super, super nice. Great crowd. Beautiful fall Saturday. I was walking back to campus and ran into the Gold Star Marching Band. And that was, I, I love doing that. I love walking through campus on a football Saturday in the fall. And the Gold Star Band was playing, and I took some video of it, posted it on Twitter at Swanee, S W A N Y 8. And just heaven, man, that is my happy place doing that. I had Maverick and, and Libby. We were out tailgating with Ma and Pa Swanee and Brother Swan, Justin, and their friends. I just love fall football. Saturdays, special thanks to Sam Herder from Hero Sports joining us. Game day predictions. Let's call 56-14 again, Bison. Why not? 56-14. Want to say a special hello and shout out to the folks in Maddock, North Dakota at the Maddock Renaissance Festival. Looking uh, forward to getting up there later today and this weekend to visit with you guys. Until then, next week, Arizona. Remember, the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Uh.